Well, good morning. That was pretty loud, wasn't it? I just turned it on, and it was making all kinds of racket. Well, good morning. Welcome once again to Connection Point Church. So glad that you're here with us today, whether you're joining us online or here in person. And as we get started this morning, I just want to ask you a question. Have you ever faced a trial in your life where you just where it just seemed like there was no hope? Where where the only thing it seemed like you had left was just the faith that you had in God. There was there was no other there was no other way out if it wouldn't be if it, if it weren't for for God intervening. Have you been there? Well, this morning as we continue our walk through 1 Thessalonians and we're in chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians, I really believe Paul is going to speak to us today. Some of you may be in one of those places today. And I believe as we walk through this word, I believe that your faith is going to rise up and God is going to speak to you in a special way. Amen. If you got your Bible, go ahead and, and turn with me there, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. We're going we're gonna to read through that chapter and then we'll jump on into it. It says, therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone. And sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow, fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and in, con, encourage you concerning your faith. That no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourself know that we are appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened and you know. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God? Night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increased and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Amen. Amen. Did you notice in those first ten verses, Paul mentions the faith of the Thessalonians five times. Five times he mentions their faith in 10 verses. In verse 2, he said he wanted to encourage them in their faith. In verse number 5, he said he wanted to know where they stood in their faith so that because he knew the tempter was at work. In verse 6, he said, I received good news concerning your faith. When Timothy came back to us, he gave a good report. Isn't it good when you've been worried about somebody and you get a good report for them or from them? In verse 7, he said the news of their faith brought him comfort in his own affliction. Seeing faith at work in others does something for your own faith too, doesn't it? 
When you, when you see someone else who is, who's walking through it and their faith is strong, it does something to your own faith. It stirs you. In verse 10, he says, may the Lord continue to perfect their faith. Why does he say that? It's because our faith can always grow, can it? No matter how, how much we, we think we got or how good we think our faith is, we can always use a little more, can't we? It's easy to talk about our faith when we're not going through it. It's also easy to talk about how someone else's faith should be strong when they're going through it. Because it's easy to toss out words like, you just got to have faith when you're not the one going through it. It's easier to have faith for someone else than it is to have faith in our own struggle oftentimes, isn't it? Paul understood this. He understood how a person's faith could be challenged. See, he was forced out of Thessalonica. He was, he was run out of there. He could not remain. He wanted to remain. He longed to be there, but he couldn't. And he hoped that by leaving, the persecution against that local church would lessen. But in fact, when he left, it actually got worse. And as the church faced persecution, Paul wanted to see where the people's faith was. He wanted to see if it was strong and that nothing would move them. Why? Because he cared deeply for them. And he knew how a person's faith, when it's just developing, it can sometimes, it can sometimes be a real challenge when faced with opposition. Look at those first two verses again, if you would. They're in verse number one. verse number one, it says, therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone. And then and set Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow labor in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. See, it was in verse number one when Paul says, when we could no longer endure it. And when he says when we could no longer endure it, he wasn't talking about the persecution that he was facing, though he was. He was going through his own afflictions. But he wasn't talking about not being able to endure that. He was talking about not being able to endure, not knowing what was going on there with the Thessalonians. His heart was so heavy for them that he could not endure it. He reached a point where he just had to know how they were doing. This wasn't in the days of Zoom video call. He couldn't pull out his trusty little iPad and, and dial him up and have a little Zoom meeting. He couldn't pull out his phone and send a text message, a, a phone call. This was before even telegraph. If you wanted to know how someone was doing in a far-off city, you either had to go there or wait for a report from there. The care that he had for this church, though, when you're reading this passage, comes through loud and clear. Paul had led this group of believers to the Lord, and he had to leave before he knew that their faith was grounded. And he knew that it would only be a strong faith that would carry them through the persecution. It would only be a strong faith that would carry them through the trials that they would face. And he wasn't sure they were yet ready. He wasn't there a long time before he was run out. If you remember from week one when we first talked, I said he had only had three Sundays or three Saturdays or whatever day they met, only, only three 
before they had to leave the synagogue and move into local houses because they had been run out. So they didn't have a long time to develop their faith. He wasn't sure where they stood, and it was bothering him. He led them to the Lord, but, but he was worried that, that they didn't have a faith to withstand the persecution that would come to them. Each of us are called to be ministers of the gospel. Shouldn't we feel the same about the people we lead to the Lord? Shouldn't we want to make sure that they are grounded and growing in their faith? You see, Jesus never said, go and make converts. Right? That's what we often want to celebrate, though, isn't it? He said, go and make disciples. He didn't say, just you pastors or just you apostles or whatever. He said, you go and make disciples. Shouldn't we have the same level of concern for those that we are discipling as Paul had for those in Thessalonica? Paul wasn't able to go there himself. If he had gone, he would have only increased the level of persecution. So what did he do? He sends his trusted co-laborer, Timothy, to them. Several years back, Harrison and Rebecca Harrison, who's back in Knoxville this morning, several years back, they, they came to me and said, you know, we're, we're going to be moving to the Knoxville area. So I said, well, let's talk about that. <laughs> I said, have you heard from God on this? Isn't that where we should always start before moving? Have I heard from God on that? Whether moving cities, moving jobs, or moving churches. See, far too often people, as soon as they are faced with a challenge, as soon as they get their feelings hurt, as soon as they take offense, or as soon as they don't get exactly what they were wanting, they want to move on to the next place. Hoping to find what they're looking for there. So always wait. Wait to hear on the Lord, right? If you haven't heard go, then maybe he's just saying stay. I can tell you he can speak to you. Let your roots take root. <laughs> Speaking of roots, did you all pick up some of those aloe plants this morning? Because they don't need to come back to my house, right? <laughs> our, our, our house is becoming overgrown with aloe, so... Uh, that all came from one little plant after we had separated it all last year. We, after we had separated it. <laughs> so back to the story. So after, so after asking Harrison and Rebecca, have you heard from the Lord? They're like, yes, we have. I said, are you on the same page? Yes, we are. So then I said, okay, so where are you going to be living? He told me, and I said, let me connect you with a church there. Because that's the first thing that we should do when we move to a new city. Hey, it, it's important when you're moving to a new city to know where the Kroger is because you want to get fed. <laughs> but you also need to get some spiritual nutrition too, right? When Jacob <laughs> was moving to, to Notre Dame here recently, I did the same with him. Listen, when, when he was moving, I made a call to some friends in the Indiana Assembly of God District Office, and I said, give me some churches there near Notre Dame that you would recommend. And I said to him, I said, don't give me just your list of churches. 
I know they're all good, and they're, they're all great. I said, if you had a 21-year-old son or daughter moving here, where would you send them? So I got the same couple of churches. I won't say who they were, but I got the same couple of churches from both people I asked. It's good to sometimes go to more than one source, right? A couple of witnesses. So I, so I got those names and the addresses, and I gave those to Jacob. But then I also found out they had a Chi Alpha, which is our college ministry, that met there at Notre Dame. So what I do, I reached out to Tim Kern, the missionary there at Notre Dame. I said, listen, I got a son moving there. Here's his name. Here's his phone number. Here's his contact information. <laughs> listen, he, he, he reached out to him, invited him out for coffee. Then a week after we moved him there, I was going to, a, to an event in Chicago. So as on my way through, I stopped and I stayed there with him. And it was a Tuesday night, and they happened to have a Chi Alpha meeting that night. And I said, you ought to go. Would have I liked to spend a couple more hours with him that evening? I would have. But let me tell you, it is more important that he gets grounded and gets plugged in there than for me to spend two more hours with him. Because the next few years are critical years in a young person's life. And it's so important for them to get plugged in. You can't say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll just count on them and the faith that they have to go ahead and get plugged in. If you've got young people in your life, if you know someone who's, who's moving, help them get plugged in. Help them get connected. It's so important. So then after returning home from that trip on Saturday, I made a call to him. I sent him directions to the church. And I said, don't forget, these are the times when they have service tomorrow. Listen, he's a grown man grounded in his faith, but I also know this. If he doesn't get connected to a local church where his faith can continue to grow, where it continues to develop, the tempter is out there. And he is on a mission to steal, kill, and destroy. I can't be with, there, with him there. So I looked for a Timothy, and I happened to find one named Tim Kern. <laughs> How about that? I found a Timothy, the missionary there on campus. And he's met with him, and he's had coffee with him. Paul sent Timothy to encourage this church and to help strengthen it in the faith. Why? Look at verses 3 to 5. That no one should be shaken. That no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know what we are appointed to this. In other words, we are going to have afflictions. You know we're appointed to this. Affliction is appointed to you. I know, that's great news, isn't it? You, you came to, to hear that. Affliction is appointed to you. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation. Just as it happened, and you know. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to you know your faith, lest by some means the tempter has tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. Paul sent Timothy to make sure that their faith was established so that they would not be shaken. The King James says, so that they would not be moved. He goes on to say, when I was with you, I told you these things were going to happen. 
When I was with you, I told you that trials would come so that you would not be moved, so that your faith would be strong. He also said that the tempter would come. The tempter would, would be there. He would be trying to question their faith. He's saying, that's why I sent Timothy back, to make sure that you wouldn't be moved when persecution worsened. If you remember from chapter 2, uh, we, we read about how when, when Paul was preaching, even when he was first there, when he first started preaching, they were being verbally attacked. They were ridiculing Christ and, and the people of the church. They, they were there and they were mocking them. The people were threatened for even speaking of Christ. And if you go over into Acts and you look at Acts 17, you'll read about physical attacks against the believers. But you'll also read about how government authorities were used against the church. Does that sound a little familiar? Is that not the world we are living in today? Attack after attack against the, the Christian church in America. We're seeing it today like no other time in our history. Our foundation as a country was built upon religious freedom. And today, those freedoms are being eroded. Listen, I'm not here to tell you today who to vote for this fall. But I am here to say this. If you believe in the church, if you believe in the church before you vote, you better know where your candidates stand. And I'm not talking just about the national election. I'm talking about local elections, too. You better know where they stand when it comes to religious freedoms. If, you ele if, if, if we continue electing people who continue to chip away at religious freedoms, we will come to a place in this country where COVID won't be the only excuse the government uses to shut the church down. We got to stand up for our faith. We got to put our faith into action. There, listen, there's a horrible divisiveness in this country. It's not going away if we just ignore it either. So, so we need to understand that people need Jesus, and it's our responsibility to take Jesus to them. During these, these times of turmoil, we cannot be moved. We cannot be shaken. Our faith must be strong. We shouldn't be surprised, though, when we, when, we, when we see these things happening. As we near Christ's return, this turmoil will do nothing but increase. But as this turmoil increased, we must increase in our faith as well. Paul said, I don't want to see you moved by these trials. I don't want to see you shaken by these trials. And listen, trials don't always come in the form of persecution. I got a message this week from some dear friends. They received a bad report from the doctor. In the eyes of science, the report looks hopeless. And they reached out asking for prayer. When trials come, when you get a bad report, without faith, I don't know how people can make it. Without faith, people are shaken. Without a strong faith, it's easy to believe the enemy as he begins to whisper doubt in your ear. It's easy to believe the enemy when he begins to whisper words of discouragement. But a strong faith 
even in the midst of persecution, even in the midst of a bad report, can keep you from being moved. Look at verses 6 through 10. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God? Night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. My dear friends who messaged me this week, they messaged me that a report, and they said this. Of course, we were shocked and sad. Church, a bad report, a trial, persecution, it's never something we ever want to go through, right? We never want to have to go through it. But we also know we will, don't we? Jesus said in this life you'll have tribulation. Adrian Rogers said this, a faith that hasn't been tested can't be trusted. Our faith will be tested. Listen to the rest of this message, though. He said, of course, we were shocked and sad, but I feel so faithful right now. I feel so faithful right now. I feel so confident that God is a miracle worker. We are also trusting in his will. This is really emotional time for us, the good and the bad. So for the next week, I ask that, that you guys, Rachel and me, would stand with us daily in prayer. Come what may, be it the Lord's will. In reading that, I felt much like Paul did when he got the report from Timothy. Not sad for the affliction. I mean, not, not happy for the affliction. Not, not happy for the, the trial. But I was comforted by their faith. I was saddened by their trial, but I was comforted by the faith that they had. That even in the midst of a trial, they said, I feel faithful. I feel faithful. And when you see the faith of other believers alive and active, let me tell you, it does something in you. It stirs something within you. When you see someone going through absolute hell on earth, and they are not shaken, and they are not moved, it activates something within you. It brings comfort. See, when you see the water surrounding someone, yet you see that they are not drowning, it reminds you that God said, I will never leave you or forsake you. It reminds me of the words of Isaiah that says, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall you the flame scorch you. Doesn't say there's not going to be waters. Doesn't say there's not going to be fire. But he says he's going to be there. Jesus said we will have trouble. But he also said, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome. Yes, we will have trials, but God. Yes, we will go through it, 
but God. Jesus faced more than we will ever face in this lifetime, and guess what? He overcame. He is the one who is interceding on your behalf. He's the one who's at the right hand of the Father right now. Not somebody who hasn't seen it before. Somebody who's been through the fire. Somebody who's went down to hell. He's, he's come back up out of the grave with the keys to the grave. He's been through it. He's the one interceding on your behalf. And he is more than a conqueror. He is fighting the battle. You got to put your faith in him. Listen, I know you have faith. Faith is a part of our life. We go to a doctor whose name you can't pronounce. Whose degrees you've never verified. Who writes you a prescription you cannot read. You take it to a pharmacist you do not know. He puts inside a bottle a chemical that you don't understand. You go to your house and you take what's in that and you believe that it's going to make you well. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm saying you got faith. We have faith. We need to put our faith in him, though. Please hear me. I'm not saying don't take your medicine because you don't understand it. Listen to your doctor. Do what he says. God gave Great minds to many people, doctors, nurses, and pharmacists. But, but listen, we, we just trust that they're doing the right thing, and we trust the direction that they're going to give us. Why don't we trust God with that same kind of trust? So we have faith. The question becomes, who are we putting our faith in? As we, as we begin to close this out, let, let's focus in on verse number 12. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you, Cade. That we would increase and abound in love to one another. Because the truth is, when trials come, we need each other. We need each other. I know that if I'm facing a trial, I can call upon my friends. And I know they're there for me. And my friends who sent me a message this week knew that I would be there for them too. Sometimes in life, our faith may not be exactly where we'd like it to be. And in those moments, we need others, others who are strong in their faith, who love Jesus and love us, who love us enough to come alongside of us and lift us up, to share the burden. Maybe today you're in the throes of battle. Maybe today your faith isn't quite where you'd like it to be. Maybe this morning the enemy has been whispering in your ear, and he's been speaking words of doubt and discouragement. If that's you this morning, I'm here to remind you of one thing. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. The 
devil's already been defeated. God's got a place for him. And all the demons of hell, I'm here to remind you this morning what it says in Romans. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As you've heard the word this morning, may your faith rise up. cared enough for my son to pick up the phone, to send some emails, to make sure that he got plugged in because I loved him. How much more would the Lord do for us? How much more would the Heavenly Father do? What does it say in the Word? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven good things to those who ask him. If your faith is challenged this morning, if the enemy has been whispering, listen to this. Jesus said to him, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw the people came running together. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. The man was struggling with his faith. And in his struggle, he called upon Jesus. And what did he say? He said, help me with my unbelief. And what did Jesus do? Did he rebuke him? No. The man was not rebuked. Instead, Jesus rebuked the evil one. He rebuked the one who comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. So this morning, if you're struggling, if you're going through a battle, I want you to know we're here to stand with you. We're here to pray with you. And we will stand with you and believe, and we will rebuke the liar. We will stand and we will declare victory with you. Not in my power, not in my name, but in the name above every name, the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Can we pray this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. God, and I pray right now for any who are here today, either in person or online, who are struggling. 